Hello, everyone, and welcome to ZFZ's podcast series on how to deal with an economic crisis for international businesses. We will be discussing different legal topics and insights relevant to businesses and hope to provide you with some novel perspectives and strategies to deal with the crisis. Stay tuned. In this talk, um, Callum and myself, Luke, we, we're going to have a uh, discussion about um, defending uh, a vessel arrest and what it is like um, or, or what factors the ship owners uh, and their clubs need to keep in mind when faced with um, with an arrest. And, and Callum and I, we've just been uh, chatting about some of those topics and we thought we would have a, a discussion um, between ourselves and um, see if you find that um, of interest. So I think one of the first points, Callum, is around um, what you can do before the vessel even arrives at the the port where it could be subject to an arrest. Um, and uh, in that scenario, what, what can an owner be doing? Yeah, well, we were, as we were just saying, you... Um in, in certain jurisdictions, the process for an arrest is uh, is triggered by by serving the the writ, um, and that is not necessarily served at, uh, contemporaneously with the arrest documentation. So uh, there is a prospect that if you have a vessel which is on a very set trading pattern, um, depending on the jurisdictions that it trades in, uh, you might be able to, for example, in Singapore, you can check the you can check the register. Uh, relatively easily to see if you if there's been a writ, uh, a writ um, lodged against your vessel. So, as a first almost threshold point, you can you can see you know are we threatened? Are we about to are we about to um, have this vessel arrested at, at the next calling port? Um, so that was one of the first things we thought. Um, and I know we also we also chipped through you know then potentially introducing a conversation with um, with your with with the arresting party um and i think the the uh the general the general feeling would be that when a party is about to have their vessel arrested they're in quite a poor negotiating position um but it's worth bearing in mind that if if a party is about to commence arrest proceedings then as the party who's, who is facing the arrest you you are still in a position where you have some bargaining power it's a it's it's almost you can almost look at it as mutually assured destruction if you know if your vessel is uh, subject to subject to uh, security from a bank you know if, it, if it's charged to a bank um, and a party has a writ out for the arrest of the vessel then you can almost go to them and say look if you if you proceed with this arrest then um, you at the end of it at the end of it when everything's said and done this vessel is not going to give you any money. The security in that vessel is already tied to um, tied tied to to a financing institution. So there are things you can. I mean, there are steps you can take. I, I don't know, Luke, if you if you've seen those um, if you if you've seen those kind of discussions happen at that early stage to try and release the arrest or. Look, I, I think I have I have seen uh, discussions like that um, before. Although we are talking about quite a. Um, a proactive ship owner in that circumstance and in my experience a, a lot of the time 
um, owners are not going through that kind of process. Uh, sometimes the claims come out of left field. Um, they may have been claims that have sat around for you know for a long period of time, and the arrest um, comes out of the blue. And in those scenarios, the the ship owners have forgotten about you know the the claim at least in its an initial thinking um, and its planning, such that they are not going through that process of checking um, the court registry uh, of a port of call as it's going in to see whether there might be an arrest writ or not. In theory, though, I think it's a good idea, um, and we we you and I have both seen. Um, uh, scenarios where you know that um, your counterparty may be after your assets and in those active um, pursuit kind of scenarios then yes I think that's a it's a good one to raise um, the point about um, the indebtedness of the vessel is not just an issue pre-arrest as well it's also one of course if you um, are faced with an arrest and served with an arrest that you can raise that that issue quite early on in the piece um, and start a different conversation. I think that's moving on to kind of the next strategy in dealing with an arrest. I think just one to jump the, in on that. Yeah. One, yeah, one sure. point on that. You you'd have to you'd have to bring it up quickly in those arrest proceedings because as soon as the bank has noticed that the vessel is subject to an arrest, um, you're probably immediately looking at the uh, potential default provisions in the underlying facility agreement and very quickly moving into a situation where the bank would be able to join that arrest um, and, uh, and would probably not hesitate in doing so. So it's a question, it's a conversation you, you would want to be having immediately is, you know, where it, there's, there, there's a strict time limit on how long this arrest can go before we need to, before it's going to be, uh, you know, totally, totally lost to the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and you can use that as an owner lever as leverage in those right. discussions um, with the arresting party. Uh, so I think it's a good point. Um, it also dovetails nicely with the next point, which is if you are served with an arrest on one of your ships as an owner, you want to move quickly. Um, and those those early few days um, are really you have to you have to get the key. Um, you know, key uh, advisors involved, size it up both locally, but also on the underlying claim um, and see whether there are any uh, attacks that you can bring um, against the arrest application itself. And I suppose some of the, the key ones that um, would immediately jump to mind for me are around um, the actual party involved in the dispute um and who is the the ultimate owner of the ship the registered owners of the ship who has that interest that's being um attached or arrested in the application and, and is is there any fault lines in that analysis where you can say well actually you're bringing the application against the ship um in rem and and, and therefore against its registered owners but the um, the actual claim that you have does not rest against them. It rests, it, it lies against a different party. And, and in some instances, that can give rise to an attack um, and an early defence. Right, exactly. And um, I suppose on that, you you can you can line up the attack in a in a wrongful arrest action. And I, yeah. and I suppose it's, 
maybe also worth considering that um, in some jurisdictions, the party who are bringing the arrest will have put up some counter security. So mm-hmm. they're, they, they're also in a position where they, they, they're exposed to, uh, to a wrongful arrest. And if you can make that case forcefully and quickly, then um, you have every chance perhaps of, uh, of forcing them to reconsider whether the arrest is something they want to maintain. Well, exactly. And that's that's a good point, because often the question of counter security is a discretionary one. And at the time of arresting and getting the arrest application, it's by its nature, it's an ex parte without notice application. So you have the arresting party going to the judge or the court um, asking for this relief. The the judge, um, there's usually some kind of full and frank disclosure obligation on the arresting party, but you're, you're in the hands of one party at that stage. And so they get the order. Um, they manage to get it with no or minimal counter security, serve it on the, the ship, get, it then gets passed to the owners. One of the, the, the early things that you can do, as well as trying to attack the actual attachment itself, is to bring an application in court yourself for counter security. And um, yeah. you can you can have the court reassess that discretion not to order counter security early on. So you might you might attack it on a that there are no grounds for the arrest or that it's wrongful or whatever it is. But court, if you're unwilling to make that determination yet at this early stage, you, you want to try and create enough doubt such that you can then ask the court to, to make an order of significant counter security. And yeah. that can often work as uh, quite a significant um, deterrent right. uh, for the arresting exactly. part. And, and if you have good grounds to put some uh, some cause for concern in to the other to the uh, arresting party along with the application, uh, then suddenly, it perhaps becomes more real the potential liability that they're exposing themselves to by taking this foreign, you know, they're they taking the the question to a foreign court. Um, potentially, their their claim will then be subject to that jurisdiction, um, and potentially also they have this massive counter security that they're putting up, where they're incurring li- liability or at least incurring risk day by day as the vessel is tied up. Um, so perhaps they started off with what they thought was a strong claim, basis English law. And now they're finding that they're exposed to a, a judgment in a court which is perhaps less certain in a jurisdiction, which is less certain where they've had to move not only the arrest proceedings to this court, but also the entire underlying claim. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, look, I, I think there's a, there's a few points in there. Um, there's also the point about um, full and frank disclosure in that. If, and, and this comes into the, the wrongful um, arrest kind of arguments. Usually it's a high threshold for a wrong, wrongful arrest um, case. It usually requires some um, malafides, some kind of um, a high, high threshold uh, wrongfulness, um, as the name suggests. Uh, but that depends, and, and different courts look at it um, uh, that at that standard in different ways and and one of the ways in which um, you can um, successfully argue that an arrest has been wrongful is if there hasn't been proper disclosure depending on what the requirements are and the obligations are in that local court 
but that's often procedural matters um, can be quite significant when it comes to um, uh, mounting a, a wrongful arrest. And that, that also that also comes through into other procedures. Like we know of jurisdictions where um, there are formal requirements um, around uh, powers of attorney, around translations of documents, around, it, it sounds um, administrative or minor, but in a number of jurisdictions, these are really important. And so if you have um, good local counsel who know what they're doing uh, and um, are on top of this. Sometimes there are some procedural um, points that you can bring into the mix quite early on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I guess the the jurisdiction question also gives rise to the to the other possibility, which is the anti suit, um, the option of bringing an anti suit. Um, in London, say, say the underlying arbitrations in London, then you have the possibility of bringing an anti-suit in London to say the um, if if the if the arresting party is being required to uh, submit the jurisdiction of the underlying claim to the foreign court, then potentially you could say to a uh, to a court in London, we have a, uh, a, a an English law claim subject to jurisdiction in London, which is which is being illegally moved to the to this foreign court uh, and therefore we require an anti-suit injunction against the party seeking to move the to seeking to uh, found the jurisdiction in this foreign in this foreign court and it's almost another administrative-esque uh, defense where you could potentially unwind the entire the entire arrest yes yeah it's a good one it's a, a bit... I, I don't think that's an obvious point. I'm not sure that jumps out um, uh, to to a lot of practitioners when they're dealing with this, because um, when you serve with an arrest, you think, okay, we're being served with an arrest. It's a, it's an arrest seeking security for an underlying claim, and that underlying claim is elsewhere. But I know in some jurisdictions, it's not possible to bring an arrest application without commencing substantive proceedings. So the very nature of the arrest is actually bundled up with a, a local substantive claim. And in that way, um, you may, as you say, be able to bring an anti-suit injunction that attacks the actual uh, arrest because it is actually substantive jurisdiction. Um, and there's, there's a few issues around that as well. The other one, um, that flows on from that is uh, is on security and in certain jurisdictions um, the local courts will require a local bank guarantee to um, to be posted to release an arrest and that will be the, the local procedure so even a club LOU will not as a matter of law local law be acceptable and so if you're offering a club LOU sometimes um, and you're going to court saying this is what we're doing, the local court will say, well, no, you have to put up a bank guarantee if you want to release this ship. That's all well and good, except if the local guarantee also requires you to, you to submit the claim itself to the local jurisdiction of the courts. And often they do because the local bank 
in whatever jurisdiction this is. And some of these are the, you know, let's just say the less well-known jurisdictions in, in terms of dealing with these types of issues. They do require that the underlying claim is submitted to the courts of that, that country. And therefore, that then makes the um, the arrest proceedings, which has this requirement for a local bank guarantee, which then requires um, submission to the local jurisdiction, that whole process arguably is contrary to the jurisdiction that has been agreed um, in the contract between the parties. And that's often English jurisdiction or US or what have you. And in that way, I can, I've not seen it run, but I can actually see an anti-suit type argument um, that could be run around uh, the requirement for um, submission to local jurisdiction under the security arrangements to release the vessel. I don't know. Have you have you come across that kind of argument before? I've not come across it. I've not, like same with you. I've never seen it run, and I wonder if you are almost helping to 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 drive a wedge between the party seeking the arrest and the court, which is offering this arrest uh, typically as, as an equitable remedy. Um, the, court's, the court is, is rarely obliged in the foreign jurisdiction to, to, to grant the arrest. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, an injunctive, it's an injunctive remedy. And you're saying you have given us this, you know, you've, you've given the arrest, but the balance of equity is so unfair in this case because you, they would be proceeding in breach of an anti-suit. Um, that maybe there's maybe there's an angle there where you make it you you put the 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 court uh, in which the arrest is sought in in a position where where it's it's not so clear that the balance of equity is in favour of the arresting party. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's a an interesting argument. Um, so look, I think those are a few of the immediate thoughts that come to mind on if you're in the position of defending an arrest. There are others. Um, and really assessing the, the the strength of the arrest itself, um, uh, looking at uh, are there um, attacks that can be made on the arrest substantively. Um, not I'm not saying the substantive claim, but the arrest itself. Um, that's that's one of the most uh, important things to do. But then to attack early and quickly, because in my experience, it's that initial um, attack of the arrest that's either going to win or lose sometimes they they run on and on and on for months and you might eventually unwind it but that in my opinion is rare uh, you've also then got a ship sitting there under arrest and or there's a lot of commercial um, kind of losses that are associated with that um and so really moving fast and moving hard early on is, is the name of the game here um I don't know, did you have any other concluding thoughts no, I think for me, it's just that for a lot, I think a lot of the time, it seems as though if you're facing an arrest, um, you're you're in a in an almost hopeless situation. Um, and I don't think that is the case. I think there are a lot of steps, as you know, as discussed that you that you can that you can take to improve your position. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for that. Um, I hope uh, that you listening in uh, out there have found that interesting. Um, this is a, a different way of uh, kind of filming this content for us as a two-way discussion i hope you found it interesting and useful give us some feedback if this is a is a method that um that works for you um and and you like this kind of dialogue approach let us know we'd be delighted uh, if you could share and like this uh this video and 
uh, stay tuned for more uh, videos and podcasts um, in our ongoing series on how to deal with the economic crisis. Thank you.